Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. We are in the semester learning about the life of Paul. We've been thoroughly blessed by this whole uh, semester, and I've learned a lot. You've heard from Pastor Caleb, Pastor CJ, um, and they have taught us very well, um, and, and I really enjoy it. We're in week five right now. So we have one more. We're finishing this semester off uh, in this series is next week. And so now we are actually going to convey I, what I believe is a very relevant message concerning the missionary journeys of the Apostle Paul. Now, the Apostle Paul, if you understand correctly, when you read the Bible, he accomplished what seemed to be more than any apostle. Uh, at least we know he wrote more books than anybody in the Bible, and he literally was crucified. He, he wasn't crucified like, 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 like the Lord, but he had went through similar sufferings. His his whole life was built around that, that one word that God gave to Ananias, when he said to him, God said he would suffer many things for my name's sake, and that one word really made up who Paul was. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to get into this. If you turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, turn with me there. If you don't have your Bibles, turn up there. Uh, write it down in your notes. If you have your syllabus with you, take notes today. There's going to be some things said, I believe, that's going to bless you. And we want to pour into you. We want to help you. Uh, the question I have for you is this. Are you hungry for the Word of God today? Are you here just? Okay, that's half of you. Okay, would you please sit back down? I'm just joking. Listen, I'm hungry for God's word. Are you hungry for the word of God? You've got to have a hunger. And I'll tell you why, because whether you realize it or not, the anointing rests on, on this platform. It rests on the messenger. But you won't feel a thing if you're not hungry for it, because God only feeds those that hunger and thirst after righteousness. And you're going to feel it if you want it today. So do you want it today? For those of you watching online, we pray that God blesses you and that God just inspires you to do more of what he's called you to do. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 6 says, If I wanted to boast, I would be no fool in doing so because I would be telling the truth. Kind of arrogant, huh? But he was telling the truth. But I won't do it because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear in my message. Even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God. So to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and to keep me from being proud. Now, I want you to recognize here that he said there was a thorn given in my flesh, comma, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. My son and I had a discussion yesterday about what that thorn in the flesh was. We thought about it. We, uh, we discussed it. And I have to say that even right now, as I'm reading this, I believe it was two things as I looked further into the Scripture, that Paul did have an ailment and that Paul also had a torment in his mind. Now, whether that thorn in the flesh was, was spiritual or physical, it's irrelevant. The problem was hell tried to stop him in some fashion or some manner, but God said this to him. Listen to verse 8. Three times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. That ought to tell us a little bit about God's grace. The power that's in his presence and his spirit that enables us to do the will of God. God's spirit is greater in you, in other words, than every problem and every attack that you're facing physically and spiritually in your life. We're going to look at the Apostle Paul and show you how effective he was even with his challenges. And so it says here, each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses. 
so that the power of Christ can work through me, and that's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in the insults and the hardships and the persecutions and the troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am what? Strong. How many of you feel that way? That was the Apostle Paul. That was his, his story, but yet he accomplished so much. The question and the title for today's semester message is, what's stopping you? What is stopping you? Little things sometimes can stop us from doing God's will. Feelings can stop us from doing God's will. But it's amazing how much trouble this man faced, and yet he was, it did nothing but propel him to fulfill the will of God in his life. Suffering or no suffering, he said, woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. Our prayer today is that you would be driven, that you would overlook anything that stands between you and the will of God, and that God would bless you and anoint you to fulfill his purpose in your life, because everyone has a purpose. Will you lift your hands again and just ask God to bless this sermon right now? Can you do that for us? Can you just pray with your voice? Someone lift up your voice and speak over this service right now. If you're watching online, pray in your home. Pray that God would just let the word flow freely. Pray that God would just begin to anoint this moment and let your family be changed. Let the spirit of God be engaging. We pray right now that the word flows freely. Father, right now, let the anointing come. Let it just flow in this house and let there be lives changed and let there be people that are engaging with it. And we say, Father, in Jesus' name, we call it done. In your precious, lovely, powerful, and matchless name, somebody say amen. Now, one time strong, give him a hand clap like he's really done something for you. Thank you, Jesus. Turn to somebody, tell them it's time to get busy, it's time to go, we have a journey to take. God bless you, you can be seated. I, um, I recognize that they're right now in this, this season that we're in that parents are bringing your children into church with them and, and uh, you're staying close to you at this time. So I, I wanted to find something and I was going to build a chart and build a graph concerning the travels of Paul, but, but um, I got this for you, so will everybody that's of age, will you just be a kid with me in just a moment, and let's enjoy this moment, this section right here in this video. Paul went on three big trips. The first was around 46 AD. Look, we're drawing a line. Starting in Antioch, Paul sailed to the island of Cyprus then sailed up to Asia Minor and visited the city of Perga, another city called Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, and Derby. Then he did the whole thing backwards, Lystra, Iconium, the other Antioch, Perga, then Atalaya, then sailed all the way back to Antioch, 1,400 miles. He must have used a lot of gas. But no, he was either in a boat or walking the whole way. I bet those Roman roads came in, Andy. They sure did. His next trip was much further. Around 49 AD, he walked to Tarsus, then Cilicia, Derby, Lystra, Iconium, Phrygia. That sounds cold. I don't think it was. Then up to an area called Galatia, and all the way over to another called Mysia, then Troas, and then he visited Samothrace, Neopolis, Philippi, Amphipolis, Apollonia, Thessalonica, Berea, then all the way down to Athens, which is the center of Greek culture, then over to Corinth, where he stayed for a year and a half, then Sankri, then back on a boat and all the way over to Ephesus, then all the way down back across the Mediterranean, all the way to Caesarea. Whoa, what a long trip. And then to Jerusalem, 2,800 miles. He must have worn out his sneakers. I think he wore out several pair of sneakers. And finally, a few years later, around 52 AD, he went on his third big trip. From Antioch, he walked all the way up through Galatia. That would make your feet sore. Then to Phrygia, 
and on to Ephesus, where he stayed for three years. That's a long time. Then all the way up to an area called Macedonia. Macedonia. I like that name. And back on another boat, all the way down to Corinth. Then all the way back up to Macedonia. Again? Yep, again. And then on another boat over to Troas, Assos, Mytilene, Chios, Samos, Miletus, Kos, down to Rhodes, over to Patera, then once again back across the Mediterranean Sea all the way to Tyre, and down to Ptolemaeus, Caesarea, and finally back to Jerusalem again, another 2,700 miles. That's a lot of travelling. It sure is. It's like crossing America from one end to the other three and a half times and without cars or trains or planes, just as two feet and a boat here and there. I don't care if you're a child or not, that was a long journey. Almost 10,000, over 10,000 and, well... We have a hard time just driving to the grocery store, right? Has your wife ever asked you, can you go to the store for me, honey? And you're like, oh, my God, it's so late. Why didn't you tell me sooner? The Apostle Paul traveled so far. The Apostle Paul had a purpose. The Apostle Paul was somebody who thought he was in God's will. But then God met him on the road to Damascus. And then God turned his whole life upside down and completely changed his course. From, from what we just saw, from what you just saw, this is exactly what God's asked us to do. Not travel those miles, but God has asked us, despite our problems and struggles and challenges and adversities that we are to, above all things, fulfill the will of God in our life. Completely surrender to the cause of God. I, I want to reflect on 2 Corinthians 11, and you can just write this down in your notes. If you're taking notes, write this down, 2 Corinthians 11, 23 and 28. Read sometime what Paul went through. He said, are, are they the servants of Christ? He was now fixing to make a comparison between their life and his. And, and you know that sometimes he wasn't trying to be proud, but he had to kind of relate to them what he has been through compared to what they are going through. Someone said it like this one time, you need to be thankful for what you have and who you are and where you're at because there's always someone that has it worse than you do. There's always somebody that's going through something, and there's always someone going through what you go through. So you're not alone. But the Apostle Paul was trying to comfort and encourage the persecuted church during that time, writing to the Corinthians, telling them, I know I sound like a madman, but I have served him far more, literally far more. I have worked harder. But put, I, I've been put in prison often. How many times have you been put into prison? Paul said, I've been there a number of times. He said, I've been whipped many times without number. I've lost count. I stopped counting. How many times I was scourged. And I have faced death again, again, and again. He said, five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes, 39 lashes. It was accustomed to the, Jew, to, to the Roman law that if anyone were to go beyond 39, that even those that did, did do the lashing would have to be prosecuted themselves because it was against the law. So he said, I've been whipped 40 times minus one. Because the extra mile in his life paid for that extra lashing, I'm sure. But he goes on and says, three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night, all night and all day drifting at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger 
from rivers and from robbers. What a combination, rivers and robbers. How would you feel if you came home? And how would your wife feel when she asked you, how was your day? And you came home, oh, nothing but rivers and robbers. Rivers and robbers all day. Paul told them, here's what my life is like right now. He's trying to give them an example. I have faced danger from men that claimed to be believers, but they weren't believers. Hypocrisy. Those that were in disguise over the religious cloak. And then he said, I have worked hard and long, and during many sleepless nights, I've had to work too. I had a job. I've been hungry, and I've been thirsty. And I've oftentimes gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. And he says, besides all of this, and here's what he concludes right here and tries to tell them. He said, in conjunction, and he said, with all this and besides, I have daily burdened my concern with the condition of the churches. In other words, he's saying no matter how bad life gets, no matter what trouble comes my way, there's never been an excuse for me to stop serving God. There's never been a moment for me to say, I give up. I don't want to do this. This is too hard. I just don't feel like it. Clearly, he went beyond feelings. In America right now, we have it so good, that's our problem. Fixing to hit you right between the eyes. That's our biggest problem right now. We have it very good, and we have been blessed. And when we have a flat tire, we just give up. Even though it's under warranty still, you get a free fix on that. It's, oh my God, the devil's after me today. The devil's not after you. You went down the wrong road and ran over construction nails, and that's all that happened. That's not the devil. That's life from a modern convenience. The Apostle Paul had to travel miles. The only thing he had going for him tech technologically, if you will, an advancement of engineering was the Roman roads. That may have caused him, since he was a I don't know, he was a Roman citizen as well. He may have had privilege to be on those roads. And I, I, I don't know, but I do know this. It wasn't smooth pavement. He did not have a car, did not have means of transportation to get him that far. He walked and rode on hungry animals, slept in cold nights, and he was consistent, but he was driven. He was driven by something. The question you have to ask yourself is what's driving you? What motivates you? What keeps you going? What causes you to give up, get up every day? I'm going to tell you, music is a great motivator, but it's not, it should not ever be your only motivation. The rhythm, the melody, the beat. You have to be walking to the rhythm of a drummer that no one else can see and no one else can hear, but the heartbeat of the Holy Spirit inside of you that's saying to you, I've made you for a reason. I designed you with a purpose. I have something for you. And not everyone's going to know your purpose or hear this sound. The Apostle Paul traveled many, many miles. And he wasn't by himself. He, he had people that traveled with him. You'll read it and you'll find that he had companions like Barnabas and Timothy and, and Silas. And one time him and Silas were put into prison. I mean, he had, he had people with him. He had people that made the journey with him, but it wasn't their journey until they became a partner with Paul. And then it became their journey. But really, it wasn't Paul's journey. It was actually God's journey for him. It was God's path. It was God's will. In your life, in our life, we have to become the ones who decide to follow Jesus, even if no one else will. Did you know that there are people right now in your life, in your family, in your, in your circle of influence that are waiting to see what de decisions you're going to make? I, I, have to, I have to say that, that once one person, if one person finds the will of God for his life, hundreds and even thousands will follow. Because so many people are looking for direction. I'm going to tell you right now, and I speak by a word of knowledge, that there are people in your life that are waiting to see what decisions you make because you are influencing them, and they want to follow after the same God you do.
and they are watching you very closely. You are being watched very closely, especially by your own children. Who am I talking to? Especially by your own children. They're waiting to see what decisions you make, and they're going to follow. Someone said this to me one time, and I'm just going to say this and move on, because this is, I feel like, for someone here. What you do as a parent in moderation, your children will eventually do in excess. What little things you do in your life will amplify and increase because your children will see by permission that this is okay for mama and daddy. The family is the biggest influential circle and most vital one that you'll ever have in your life. But we all are leaders. We all have a purpose. Point number one, everyone has a journey. Everyone has a journey. I'm going to say this very humbly. Now, I want you to understand this example as well. When I refer to if one person decides to go a certain way and follow after God, that others will begin to follow. The apostle Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. The only reason you are here today outside of the spirit of God, which had everything to do with it, outside of the spirit of God drawing you near, helping you make decision. And I say this very humbly, but it was because one day, my wife and I said, yes, we'll plant that church. This one. Did you hear Siri? Which one? I said, this church. That's this church. Thank you, Holy Ghost. There are other churches too. But this church. People are called to a church, just like a pastor is called to a region. But then you find your purpose tied to that one person because their purpose is tied to Jesus. So my life, and here's an example for fathers and mothers and leaders. I live life by permission now. I have to ask for permission. God never allowed me, although it is in my veins, it's in my blood. God has never allowed me to really go out and make a lot of money. That wasn't my calling. But that was my gifting, the administration, the building of a business, of doing things like this. I've done it before, and I've walked away from six figures. I've walked away from a lot of money before. It's not a problem for me. God's tested my heart, but he's never allowed me because he has told me, now this is me. You can go that way if you want to, but you'll be the most miserable rich man you've ever met but if you follow me and let me use your gifts let me use your abilities let me use your children let me use your whole life then I will bless you eternally and you will leave a legacy and you'll be at peace and you'll be able to sleep at night so I have no choice I choose to follow after Jesus and everything I do every day I had to give up this is just me I want you to think about you because you have a calling as well. You have a journey that you have to go on. But at some point, we have to say, not my will, but your will be done. So all my dreams and all my aspirations, I give them to Jesus. He knows everything I ever desired and wanted. But every day I choose to follow him, to serve him, to give him what he wants. I am here to give him what he desires. I am here to make sure that his business prospers. I'm here to make sure that his children are fed, that his children are taken care of, that his sheep are led down to green pastures and still waters. And even though they go through danger, they're only walking through the valley. They're not camping out in it. We have to encourage people all the time and tell them, keep moving, keep going. Even if you say, I'm going through hell, our response is, don't stop there. Keep on going. Keep on moving. Our life is now all about encouraging others and feeding the flock and moving. And we're shepherds, son. We are shepherds to the almighty God as an under shepherd. And he's leading us and guiding us. And we have to go through problems and we'll be attacked and we'll be misunderstood. And not being a pastor is always going to be popular. God didn't call pastors to be cool. God didn't call pastors to be social media influencers. God called pastors to set the captives free, to deliver those that are in bondage, to help people get out of their addiction, to make sure that they're not living for the devil, to make sure that they're not caught by their own devices. It's 
It's a calling, but you can never, ever set someone free from something you're addicted to, yourself. This is why the Apostle Paul said, I have to be able to keep myself free from devices lest I preach and become an outcast. Myself. But we have a journey, and when you decide... And when you cross that proverbial line in the sand that's drawn, because I really do believe right now, and you're seeing it in America, but I really do believe that it's like God has drawn a line in the sand, and it's almost as if he's telling his people, now which side are you on? Which side are you on? Because you can't be in both sides, because that's how most of us want to live our life, right? Keep people happy. Please, God, sometimes happy. Uh, what is B right here? Easier to do. But there is a line that's been drawn. And the line will provoke you and ask you, choose this day whom you will follow. Are you going to chase after your own dreams and desires? Or are you willing to follow after my will? That doesn't mean you walk away from everything that you're doing. It doesn't mean that you stop the job. It doesn't mean that you stop the career. It just simply means you get a new perspective. And understand that that's not your business. I know you put the blood, sweat, and tears and the sweat equity into all of that, but it really belongs to God. Are you honoring God with that? Are your purpose and your values in that, in that business, is it really, really giving honor to the kingdom of God? Is it even helping the church reach more souls? Uh, what about your giftings and your talents and your abilities? I'm going to tell you here right now, had God not called certain people with certain giftings in this church, we would not be here. We have taught that through time, talent, and treasure, God uses to build the church. God uses it to function the church, to fund the church. There are people that have given them their time in prayer. I can count a handful of people that have every single day prayed for us, prayed for the church, prayed for you. More than a handful, to be quite honest with you. But I'm telling you, there are people that give of their time every day. And I'm here to tell you, had these people not given their time in prayer, we wouldn't be here. There are people that are teaching in this church. There are people that are using their giftings in this church, some form or some fashion. Not everyone has a musical ability, but the people that do and have made the contribution to surrender that gift to God, to follow after his will, we wouldn't have music and worship in this place. If there are people that haven't utilized their people skills, if there are people that have not utilized their business savvy, their sense if there were people that had not made a financial contribution to this church, we would not be here. But someplace at some time they made up their mind, this is what I'm good at, this is what I have in my hands, this is what I'm going to give. And you can never allow a hardship, a difficult moment, a disagreement, drama, whatever, Financial challenges stop you from being consistent, from following Jesus. Because the world's not going to stop turning, but when it does, that's when we leave. But as long as it is, life keeps moving. But it's our choice to grab a hold of the day and say, today, not tomorrow, but right now, I'm going to do the best with what I have. And I'm going to honor God. I'm going to make sure that this journey, this journey, turn to your neighbor and tell him, you have a journey. This journey isn't going to be wasted. I'm going to go the full length of this journey. I want you to write this down. Every journey has a purpose. Every journey has a purpose. Every purpose has a person. Every person has a partner. Every journey has a purpose. Every purpose has a person. Because whatever purpose God has for his church, he always needs someone to fulfill it. 
God had a purpose in the earth, and God had to make Adam and Eve. Without Adam and Eve, we would have never been fruitful and multiplied. Without Jesus coming into the earth, the kingdom would have never been able to come the way it did. God needed a body. God sent his only begotten son. We needed blood, a person. You wouldn't be here had I not, my wife not said yes to God. If there's any kids here, look at your, look at your parents. Kiddos, look at your parents. You wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them. People, purpose. It's tied to purpose, people and purpose. You can't separate them. But every purpose has a partner. See, watch this. And that partner, you'll always have one. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1 and 2, it says, As God's partners, this is what Paul is writing to the Corinthian church, as God's partners recognize that you're not doing this by yourself, that he's working with you. You needed his help. We need his help. This is also why the Lord sent them out by twos. Because they needed a prayer partner. They need someone to serve together. They needed to be together and intercede. And it's just part of God's systems and how God functions in the earth. But he said, don't ever exempt yourself from the reality of him being a partner with you. See, as long as we're in God's will, God partners with us. But when we step out, God says, well, that's not where I'm at. I'm actually right here. And, and, and we want to be here. But as long as you stay under his will, he, he'll be your partner. He'll back you up on any decision that you make. When God moves on you to bless somebody and you hesitate, you are forfeiting the blessings of God. But you see, God says, hey, if you'll just step up by faith and do what I'm asking you to do and stop questioning it, then I'll meet you there because it's not you wanting to do that. See, if it was up to you wanting to do it, you would never do it. Everything God asks us to do, he causes us to step out of our comfort zone. It has nothing to do with us. But the irony of that is, is that we're the ones that profit from it. Okay, nobody's ever been blessed by God. No one's ever seen God move after you've done something powerful. No one's ever understood the law of the harvest that what you sow is what you're going to reap. This is not about making my dreams come true. It's about making God's will be fulfilled. And whenever we focus on the will of God, whatever the need might be, selfish people, oh, Keep looking forward. Don't look around. Don't look down. Just smile. Don't blink. But selfish people never see the fullness of God's promises. People always want to hold back their secret. People always want to hold back that special recipe. You know anybody in your family that says, I can't give that recipe out? Or is that you? Because if I get that recipe, like you're afraid a restaurant's going to get, yeah, like a restaurant's going to find your recipe for fiolas and want to serve it with their menu. Did you know that that, that, that recipe, now, no, no, not food, just, just that recipe for success or how you do things, how you live things, were never meant for you to hoard to yourself. They were meant for you to give out because the more you give out, the more God gives you. There's more where that came from. But he can't give you more until you release it. Make a contribution. Focus on your journey. See, you're going someplace. So Paul says, as God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. Don't get it. And then say, what do I do with it? Don't ignore it. The reason God graced you with the ability of the gifts that you have operate through kindness, showing good works without always looking for a return. Sometimes you got to give with no strings attached because when you tie yourself to it, you're claiming that you're the one who did it. God didn't do it. But when you take the strings off of what you do, give, 
or what you serve and how you serve or whatever it might be out of your giftings. And you do it by simply taking the compliment and taking everything and going, you don't owe me nothing, but this is God's doing. Just thank God for it, and that's good enough for me. You have now entitled yourself, watch this, you have now entitled yourself to be a recipient of the blessings and the favor of God because you said in meekness, I don't need any credit, I don't need anything back. Just give God all the glory, and that's all that I need. Where does it say that, Pastor Bobby? The meek shall inherit the earth. The meek. What's meekness? Meekness is when you recognize who you really are, who God really is, and you give him all the credit. There's no pride. There's no arrogance. There's nothing there that drives you. Paul said, don't ignore the giftings. He said, and just, just God, for God says, at the just the right time, I heard you. I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. He said, don't you remember where I brought you from? You asked me for help, and I helped you. You asked for forgiveness, and I gave you forgiveness. Why are you withholding your goodness when I gave you mine? And you didn't deserve it. Why should you withhold anything from someone else who doesn't deserve it? That's powerful. Are you catching that? How many of you get what I'm talking about? I I, honestly, I feel like God's telling us this because this wasn't in the second service. This came fresh to me. So I'm telling somebody here today is that everything God gave you was not meant for you to hoard. Stop being fearful of helping other people are contributing to the cause. Well, I'm going to get hurt. They're going to take advantage of me. They don't deserve it. Neither did you. Neither did I. Neither has any of us. But he said, on the day of salvation, I helped you. Remember that I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. The day today is the day of salvation. In other words, don't hold out salvation for a special moment and a special time. Salvation should flow freely. It's part of my character. If you're going to make the journey, you have to be generous. You have to be loving. You have to be kind. You have to be willing to go to a city who has different cultures. The Apostle Paul went everywhere. Even when he walked through the upper coast of Ephesus, he walked through and he saw all the pagan worship on the tombs. And it said, inscribed on one of them, to the unknown God. And he looked at that and he didn't say, I'm not going to stay here. These are some weird people. He looked at it as a challenge and he said, huh, today, he said, I was walking through the meadow, right? He said, I went by the grave and engravements that you got on those stones and I said, and it said to the unknown God, he said, but let me tell you something. When you talk to the Ephesians, he said, today I'm going to tell you who he is. Read that in the book of Acts. That's what Paul said. Today I'm going to reveal to you who Jesus is. See, God is only sending you on your journey because it has people that need him on it. Remember that everything concerning your journey is about lost souls. You need to write that down. You need to remember that. Everything about our journey involves seeing the lost saved and watching them become discipled. That's what church is. Church is a place for people to come and get inspired, to be redirected, to get them back on the will of God and to encourage and to disciple people so you can become stronger and you know exactly what the will of God is concerning your assignment. It's called realignment. But when you miss church and when you miss an opportunity, you only forfeit your own right to be blessed and to learn and to grow. Paul said, don't hide it. Don't, don't, don't withhold it. He said, keep doing what you've been doing because man didn't call you. Point number two, you've been commissioned by God. And this is the last point. But you've been commissioned by God. There are so many people that do not know how to find their own mission statement. I used to believe in visions, statements, and mission statements, but I more now hold 
values as a priority. Because missions can change. Missions can change. But values don't. The Apostle Paul, if you read the scripture, he woke up one day and said, I've got to go to Rome. I've got to go before Caesar. And the prophets came. I believe it was Agabus. Came to him and said, and took a rope, put it around his arms. He said, behold. He said, the man whom this, I'm paraphrasing, who's in bondage by this rope it will be also put into fetters and killed. Paul said, I don't care. I've got to go. He said, it doesn't matter. God's called me. I'm not going to allow myself to be intimidated by what people think or how fearful they are. I'm fixing to give you something that if you receive it, it, it will it'll make you come alive. Most people only live their life based on what other people think. Is it trendy? Is it part of the culture? Am I going to say something to offend somebody else because they don't believe like I do? Am I going to overlook it because, you know, Jesus died for everyone, right? So I'm not going to take a stand. Why should I? The blood of Jesus forgiven, and he has forgiven everybody. But I also read in the scripture where it's based on our choices, the choices that we make. So you had a choice today. We all had a choice. We have a choice whether to come into God's house, put God first, and bring our family. And we have a choice every day whether or not we're going to pray, seek God, and put him first. We, people have choices. But sometimes the reason why people don't make the right choices is because there's no one around them to give them a better option. And lots of times it's your life that's the option. I, I don't want to be known for what I'm against. I, just, I, I think we ought to be known for what we're for. I don't spend my whole day up here preaching about sin. But I do believe it's important to address it when it's in the church. God leads us in that area when it's time. God deals with us about that. So we do believe that, but that's not what we're known for. We are known, this church, and if you read the New Testament church, it was all about having a better option, and that better option was Jesus Christ. Jesus is a better way. Jesus himself even said it. How many times did you see Jesus come to the sinners and tell them, you're a disgrace, you're doing the wrong thing, I want to have nothing to do with you? But what did he say? He said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. There's a better way. Now, don't just read into that. I don't, we don't have time for that, but... But the point is, is that you have to know who you're following and why you're following him. Life is so short. It is too short for us to step out of God's will. But it is so rewarding and eternity is for real. And all that matters is, is when I get to heaven and you get to heaven, that we hear two words. Somebody say it. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into what? The, the unit just shut down. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Hmm. See, commissioned by God means that you have co, co meaning to, mission being purpose. You have partnered with God to fulfill his purpose. That's what the, you know, Luke chapter 24 verses 45 through 49 was Considered by most scholars, the Great Commission. The Great Commission. The reason why it was a Great Commission, because it was given by a great God. His purpose, that's all it's all about. If you really want to know the purpose in life, is to fulfill the will of God. His will for your life. And that will always ties to lost souls. Always. Everything you do, through time, talent, and treasure 
should all be contributed to the saving of lost souls. That's why we're even here today. That's why the lights are on. That's why we play worship. We're not just here for you. We are, love you being here. You need to be here, but we are in hopes that you will bring your family, you will bring your friends, that there will be an opportunity for somebody to wake up and say, you know what? There is a better way. You know what? I do have a purpose. You know what? I've got a journey. I want to know what that journey is. I want to know the direction in my life. I am tired of going through the same cycles in my life. I am tired of going and being caught by the same vices. I am tired of not coming out ahead. I am tired of falling behind. I am tired of being sick and tired. I'm ready for change. That's what this is all about. I am ready for change. But guess who God's going to use to get them here? You. But how are you going to find him? You've got to let him lead you on the journey. And you can't allow anything to stop you from making a difference in people's lives, not even a snake bite. The apostle Paul was bitten by a snake. He was bitten by a snake on an island of natives. And they all knew when they were shipwrecked, that man's going to die. That man's dying. I want to tell a joke, but I don't want to tell a joke. Okay, I'm going to tell it. It's kind of like the farmer that was with his buddy. They're working out in the field, and he sat on the hay, and a snake bit him right on the behind. He said, oh, my God. He said, call the doctor. He said he called the doctor, his buddy called real quick, and he said, hey, doc, my buddy just got a bite right there on his behind. What do I do? He got quiet, hung up the phone. He said, you got to suck it out. <laughs> but he didn't tell his friend. So his friend asked him, what did the doctor say? The doctor said, you're going to die. God, is our pastor supposed to tell those kind of things up here? I don't know. <laughs> well, forgive me in my ignorance, God. But anyhow, <laughs> it wouldn't fly on TBN, would it? <laughs> That's all right. Listen, Paul was bitten by a snake, and all the natives said, you're going to die. But when he lived, they knew. And then what ended up happening was he prayed for the relatives of the natives and God healed them and they were converted. That's where the, he pioneered. That's why he was an apostle because he pioneered a work even on the way to his destination. See, see the, he made a contribution. And, and it wasn't, he didn't sit down with them and, and, and go and say, you got to learn the doctrine first. You got to, all the, all the rules, all the don'ts, all this beatitudes, all these. No, no, no. What he gave them was love and hope and miracles. And that's what drew them closer. I am sure, I am sure that he wasn't just leaving there without telling them about Jesus. I am sure of it. But here's the bottom line. Had Paul gave in to the storm prior to the shipwreck and jumped off, he would have never made a difference in that, in those people's lives. Because what happened, and I'm coming to a close, here's what happened. When you read the book of Acts, the scripture says that there was a tempestuous storm, and they were on that ship, and they were so scared, and they started throwing all the, all the, all the baggage, all the cargo off. But then they, while they were frantic, the apostle Paul wakes up, Comes from, from, comes from the gallows, wherever he was at that moment in transition. And he says, this night an angel of the Lord stood by my side. And he said, for those of you who decide to get off, your lives won't be saved. But if you stay on the ship, if you stay on the ship, no matter how bad it gets, he said, we're going to wreck. That's inevitable. We are, we are going to wreck. He said, but you're going to be saved if you stay in the trouble. If you just keep the course. Keep being faithful, keep believing, keep praying, keep depending on God. He said, because I'm telling you, an angel came by my side. And the key was, is no matter how bad it gets, even if things fall apart, but it's going to get you through no matter how bad it gets, because that's where God is. 
God isn't always in our perfections. God isn't always in the such circumstances that go right. God sometimes is in our shipwrecks. God sometimes is in our storms. God sometimes is in your trouble. And he just wants you to know, if you'll stay faithful and keep doing what you're doing, then I'll prove myself through you, and I'll take you to your destination. And when you get there, you may get bit. You may have some problems culturally. There may be some language barriers. But that's nothing compared to what I can do through you. Because the last time I looked at people, the language of love and the language of God is universal. And people understand that language. People understand that culture. People understand the presence of God. Even when they don't understand it, they recognize it. What I'm saying here today and what I feel like the message for us is this. God has called you, no one else has. Jesus understood this when he walked on the earth. He said, I've come to do the will of my Father. There were different times that Jesus didn't have a place. He even said it to one person. Luke chapter 9, verse 50, 57. He said, foxes, foxes uh, they have dens to live in, and, they have, uh, and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Jesus was called to fulfill the purpose of God, but he didn't have all the resources didn't even have a home. But listen to this later on, God, when, when it came time for the Passover in Luke 22, write that down, Luke 22, verse 7, it says that the time was coming for, for the feast of unleavened bread, but he sent his disciples and he said to John and Peter, he said, go into town and go cook the Passover, get a place prepared for us. They said, sure, we'll go. They didn't ask questions. They said, where do you want us to prepare it? See, that's faith. That's faith. Faith is when God puts something in your heart. See, some of us are waiting for the audible voice of God. But sometimes it's a whisper and a desire he puts inside of you to do something good, to do something right. And it's not just once in a while. It's an everyday thing. If you're on the journey, you have to put faith to it and pray and take action. But here's what I want to share with you. That day, Jesus said, go. And they went. And he said this, Luke 22, 10 and 11. As soon as you enter Jerusalem, a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you. Follow him at the house he enters. Say to the owner, the teacher or rabbi, ask, where is the guest room? Where can I eat the Passover with my disciples? How did that man know with the pitcher of water to meet them? Oh, that's right. Jesus tweeted it. That's what it was. He emailed them when they weren't looking. Right? Prayer was the only advanced technology in that time. Prayer, prayer, communication with God. God communicating, God communicating with somebody else, moving on their hearts, walking at a certain time, at the right place at the right time. They were there, and they said, okay, we'll go. See, faith is when God gives you a destination and a journey, and you just simply say, yes, Lord, I'll do it. He'll meet you there. See, we're waiting for the whole schedule. We're waiting for God to say, okay, how is it done? Just do this, do that. No, 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 no. Sometimes God wants you just to be obedient in the day, and eventually, as the new day comes, you find out that every day has a different assignment, and as you find out, you look back, the entire time God has been giving you, getting you closer to your destination, but it comes one day at a time. And that man met him, and they met, and they had the Last Supper, and it was recorded in the Bible, but Jesus didn't have a house, but somebody else did. See, that's also the law of prosperity in God's kingdom. It's, a, it's not, a, it's not a, a really a prosperity gospel more than is a provisionary one because everything belongs to God. And God gave him a room to have it. Did he own it? Was it in his name? No. But he gave it to him in that moment like it was his. 
you may not own everything, but you know what? When God gives you favor, he'll give you the ability to enjoy any and everything necessary to get the job done. That's when God provides. And we get picky because it's not ours. We don't own it. Listen, we don't, I hate to tell you, but you don't own anything you have. It may look like it on paper, but the truth is it belongs to God. Everything belongs to him. I've had people tell me before, I, I'm going to go to your church. It's not my church. <laughs> it's not my church. How could a man own a group of people? That don't work. I'm, all I'm doing, I'm following Jesus, and other people have the decision to follow me as I follow Jesus. And they have the right not to follow me if I don't. This is a faith walk. That's why we can't miss it. That's why we don't play politics, right? That's why we don't give favoritism to just certain people. Not here, not in this church, not in God's church. This is based on being pleasing to him and just focusing on his will and loving everybody, leveling the playing field to let everyone know that there is no one in particular that God died for. He died for everybody. That's why we can't withhold the kindness and the love of God because God never withheld it from us. I'm going to challenge you today. Here's what I want to tell you. In conclusion, all we're saying, do your part and let God take care of the resources. And the challenge for the week as you stand to your feet here this Sunday morning, we're going to pray together. We're going to pray the blessings of God and we're going to pray that God activates something inside of you to motivate you, to send you back into the world so you can grab a hold of the purpose and realize that if you'll just walk with him on a daily basis, eventually you'll bump into somebody that was destinated and destined to be there at the right place at the right time that will lead you and take you to your purpose. God will fulfill his purpose. God will do it. But here's the weekly challenge. This week, pray and then take action. Step out by faith what you feel to be the will of God concerning people, concerning people. If you'll begin to pray, God, use my life, use my talents, use my ability, and I pray today, this week, I pray today, today, take me to the right person. See, that prayer works based on your actions. So if you pray Lord, I pray today you take me to the right person, lead the right person to me, leave, just let me minister to the right person, and then right after that, go sit on the couch. Well, I feel good. That was good prayer. You know what? Facebook it. Emoji, praise the Lord, right? Smile real big. Now, and then you... Oh, let me see if I got any likes. That's not evangelism. That's not evangelism. Okay, you ready? Facebook is not evangelism. It's just not. You've got to get out. I'm scared. I'm going to get sick. Okay, wear your mask. You got to get out got to make an effort they're not going to come knocking on your door you got to go out you got to put action to it that's the challenge for this week put action to your prayer step out by faith people don't want to know what you know until they know how much you care I'm telling you you have a purpose God's waiting up on us will you lift up your hands if you understand what's being said here today Will you just lift up your hands with your hearts and just begin to vocalize it and say, God, use me. Lord, here I am. You may not be able to teach like somebody. You may not be able to have the amount to give like other people do. You may not be able to, to afford the time, but, but I promise you, with whatever you do have, if you do contribute, if you do give, if you do serve, if you do participate, God is going to bless it. So just tell them, Lord, give me a willing heart. Give, make me a willing vessel. Make me, Father, one that's selfish and not selfish. Let me step out of my comfort zone and get out into the world. 
God, I know I got a long ways to go, but Lord, the journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step. So I take that first step right now and I say, Lord, by the end of my life, I want to have said, like Paul said, I have emptied my life like a drink offering. I'm going to do, God, what Paul did. And he said, I have ran and I have finished the race, but I have done what you wanted me to do. Lord, I pray that you just wake me up. Help me find my purpose. Help me find out how I can win souls. Help me figure out, dear Lord, how and what words to use and what acts of kindness to have and and anoint my family. Anoint me, God. Let me lead my family into green pastures. Let me lead my family, Father, into the presence of God. I pray today, today, right now, is the day of salvation. You show me mercy. You show me grace. Now I pray right now that you show it to my family, that you show it to my loved ones, that you help me win my entire family, that you help me, God, win all my friends, that you help me, Father, be a good example on the job. We pray today, let the anointing come. And Lord, if I got to be put in the way of danger, that's all right, because I know that you're going to see me through. It doesn't matter. I'm desperate. I want to see souls saved in Jesus' name. Somebody say, do it, Jesus. Come on. What price are you willing to pay to see people's lives change? Come on, in the name of Jesus, 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 name of Jesus. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.